0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the teachings and conversations of Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's go to uh, to Luke chapter 8 uh, tonight, and we are going to continue our Red Letters series. I ask you have you noticed how people do not like the words personal responsibility. Have you noticed that? Man, in our culture, uh, probably all growing up, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but there's a lot of people. I mean, really, every one of us, we don't like uh, that idea of personal responsibility. Even if it's a a child who gets caught, whose fault was it? Well, not mine. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they did it. Uh, If it's an athlete on a team, You know, very often or not often do you hear, well, that play was my fault. Well, I blew that one. Usually you hear, hey, if they would have done their job, I could have done my better. So whether it's a child or an athlete or a worker on the job, I don't know too many workers, you know, that uh, say, you know what, boss, that one was on me. Usually it's, hey, boss, uh, Fred down at accounting, that one was on him. Uh, He messed that one up. And we don't like personal responsibility Uh, in the home Oftentimes, a marriage, it's not the husband's fault, it's the wife's fault. It's not the wife's fault, it's the husband's fault. You know, you play uh, what my, mom, my parents always called it was you play the blame game, pushing the blame on everybody else. As we come into Luke chapter 8 tonight, we're going to see that Jesus, he's teaching about a thought called personal responsibility. Not regarding actions, not regarding uh, the job or how you uh, treat somebody, but the fact that every one of us are personally responsible with God's word. That you, you're the only one that can choose to listen to God's word. You're the only one that can choose to obey God's word. And so when you look in Luke chapter number 8, We're going to look again at Christ's teaching about personal responsibility. So take your Bible and let's go. We're going to read the first 21 verses of Luke chapter 8. So you follow along as I read tonight. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 1. And it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And a certain woman, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Hera's uh, steward, and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Verses 1 through 3 of Luke chapter number 8, it's just simply telling us that Jesus, he's traveling, he's still ministering, and a lot of people are traveling with him. The disciples are there, Mary, Mary, Susanna, and many others. Steward is there. Then you find those other names of uh, uh, Susanna and many others. And they ministered to Jesus. I like that. Uh, Look at verse 3 right there. It says, which ministered unto him of their substance. You know what that means? They gave to him. Well, what they, were they giving out of trying to suck up to him? No, they were helping provide for his needs. This is like Jesus being an evangelist that's traveling, and all those people are using their gifts to help provide for his ministry. That's a pretty cool thought. Verse number four. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. This is Jesus teaching. A sower went out to sow his seed. let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? And he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. I'm going to explain it to you guys. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe it, or believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in a time of temptation, fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, uh, when they have heard, go forth, And are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lightened a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter... That they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be uh, known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press, And it was told him by certain which said, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. Notice verse 21, Jesus' response. And he answered and said unto them, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. And there's a lot there when you look at these first 21 verses, Jesus continuing to travel and preach and teach and heal And as he's teaching this day, he's going to teach us about this simple truth, and it's going to be a very uh, simplistic thought tonight, that every one of us are responsible with the word of God. We're responsible with how we hear it, we're responsible with how we share it, and we're responsible with how we apply it. And that's what Jesus is teaching in these 21 verses, and we're going to see that tonight. So let's pray and ask him to bless our services tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute whether you're here in person or on a live stream, why don't you just give God permission to speak into your heart tonight? You can pray something simple of, dear God, I give you permission to speak into my life tonight. And then would you go ahead and make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'm going to respond to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for uh, the word of God. I'm thankful for this passage before us. And God, how you uh, have used it to help me understand that I am personally responsible with how I receive your word and how I share it and how I apply it into my own life. And so, God, I pray that tonight that you would help us to have ears to hear and a heart to listen. Lord, I just come before you, I admit, God, that I, uh, I have no way of getting your word across except for that which you give me, and so I pray that you would speak through me tonight, humble my mind and my heart to you, Lord, that you would help every one of us who are here, those who are watching online, a part of the service. I pray, God, that everything that is said and done would be according to your will and that you would speak to us as you desire. Thank you, Father, for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. When you come to Luke chapter number eight, we actually find Jesus, again, traveling And he's speaking three different subject matters. Uh, It's the same subject, but three stories, if you will. The first one, we find Jesus giving the parable of the sower and the seed. The second is a story about a candle, uh, not hiding a candle, but instead setting it up for everyone to see. And then the third, it's not really a story. It's just kind of what's taking place on the the sidelines. If you will, as Jesus is teaching, his family comes up, and he uses the opportunity to teach verse number 21, that my family are those that come and hear the word of God and do the word of God. But in all three of these uh, instances, We find Jesus speaking about the word of God. Now, to give us very quickly just some context, uh, as you come to Luke chapter number 8, we would find Jesus up uh, near the Sea of Galilee. He has been, uh, on this day, if, if you went and did the research, you find that on this day, Jesus has already cast out a demon. He's already preached to a number of people nearby, and he had preached the truth that you can't just clean up your life, but you need me in your life, and Jesus had preached that. And then you find verses one through three that it's just kind of Luke writing the story. And I don't know if you like the book of Luke or the book of Acts, but I think Luke was a great author in how he wrote and how he just kind of follows the the thinking. And and it's not jumping around like Matthew was. Luke's saying, hey, here's a storyline. And so that's what he's doing. As you come to Luke chapter eight, verses one through three, the story's continuing. Jesus is traveling. People are ministering to him. And then he brings us to verse number four. The passage where he says, now, here's what Jesus does. He turns and he teaches a parable. Now, a parable, someone would ask maybe what is a parable? Uh, it's simply just an illustrated story. It's a story that he's using that he wants to uh, maybe give that some would say it. it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right, what does that mean? It's just simply an earthly story or illustration that teaches a heavenly or a spiritual truth. So it's him saying, I want to use a a for instance for you and then I want to apply that to real life. And so Jesus teaches about a man sowing seed. He sows seed. There's some seed that falls by the wayside and completely lost. There's some seed that falls upon shallow ground and withers away. There's some that falls upon thorns and the life is choked. But I don't see it. And then there's some seed that falls on the good ground. And it brings forth fruit. But I don't think that Jesus was just trying to teach about seed. He wasn't. We know that because verse number 11, I'm going to tell you what I'm teaching. So tonight what I want to do is I want to break this passage up into four thoughts. I want to break it up into the seed. What is the seed? The soil. What is the hard ground, the uh, uh, thorny ground, the good ground? Then we want to look at the sower. Who is the sower? The sower. And then the last thought we're going to get to is the significance. What's it, what does it mean for us? So as we come tonight to Luke chapter number 8, I want to first talk about the seed. The seed, what is Jesus talking about? We live in a very agriculturally minded area, right? I mean, that's one of our biggest industries is agriculture around here. And it's amazing that if you've ever eaten any, you know, food that's grown, you can thank a seed. You ever realize how much one seed can do? I did some research about this and actually found these uh, things a, a few years ago, uh, but they remi- it reminded me, when I came to this message, it reminded me of these. One seed produced a 17-pound onion just from a little seed, cantaloupe, from one seed. heard a 40 or 41-pound cantaloupe from one seed. Uh, on record, they have a 127-pound cabbage from one seed. This one's interesting. A 610, listen, 610-square-foot 610 tomato plant from one seed. That's amazing. 610 square feet. Now, those of you that would know measurements, I mean, that would be uh, the equivalent of probably a A third of this room, you about right, Dustin? 610 square feet. That's insane. Um, They also found uh, one seed that grew a 268-pound watermelon. It's a good watermelon right there. I'd eat that. Uh, One, this was amazing, 1,287-pound pumpkin. And it came from one seed. It's amazing when you think about the power of one seed. Well, in our passage, we're not talking about a seed that's a plant. We're talking about a seed that's described in verse number 11, where Jesus said, the seed, and the the parable I'm giving you, hey, the seed, it is the word of God. Now, you talk about power. You talk about something that can produce a lot The seed of the word of God is much more powerful than a pumpkin seed or a watermelon seed or a a tomato seed. No, the seed of the word of God is, it's the most powerful seed there is, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is teaching on. The seed is the, the word of God. He's teaching the disciples that just like a seed can bring forth fruit, a vegetable or fruit, even so, the word of God, when it's planted, it brings forth fruit. That's really the whole illustration, and I'll just cut right to the thought tonight and remind us of something that we already know, but the Word of God, that seed, when it's planted in the life of a believer or an unbeliever, it can bring forth unlimited results. Why don't you think very quickly with me the potential about the Word of God that we see? Some verses we'll be reminded of. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. What does it say about the Word of God? It says that the Word of God is quick, means alive. It's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What is that saying? Listen, the word of God can pierce right to a person's soul. That's what that is. The word of God is it's more powerful than a regular sword because the word of God can pierce to the very conscience of man. What else? Psalm one nineteen verses nine through eleven. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How do I get right? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Here's the power that I might not sin against thee. Hey, how can I be right with God? The word of God. When I plant the word of God in my life, the power is there to keep me from sin. How about this one? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. How can I increase my faith? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by, what's the word? The word of God, and hearing by the word of God. Faith grows as the word grows in my life. The psalmist said this in Psalm one nineteen, verse one oh five, thy word the power or excuse me, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The power of the word of God. Man, in our in our passage, the seed here that's given is not just some seed that'll grow a plant. It's a seed that can literally change a person's existence. That's the seed. God's word, this seed. It's it's more than just ink on paper. It literally contains the very power of God. The words of God. Jeremiah chapter, uh, um, yeah, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Man, Jeremiah is saying. Man, the word of God is something that can sustain me. Peter said it this way, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You say, pastor, this is something we know, the power of the word of God. Okay, I just wanna remind you about it. I wanna remind you about the potential that God's word can have in your life and in my life. The seed, it's the word of God. The second thing we see is the soil. The soil, there's a lot of soils, four different soil or types of ground that are spoken about in Luke chapter number 8. These four types of soil, the first is a hard soil. This is in verse 5 and verse number 12. Verse 5, Jesus says, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. That wayside is the the hard soil. This would be uh, just off the side of the road that would be uh, like Our paved road right now, this would be that side of the paved road that there's nothing going to grow there. There might be some cracks or something could get through, but nothing's going in. Jesus says what he's teaching in verse number 12. Look at verse 12. He says, those by the wayside, the heart that I'm talking about by the wayside are those that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh the word out of their hearts, lest they should be here believe and be saved. Jesus says, hey, the hard soil is the person who hears the word of God, but they're hard to it. They're critical to it. it. It doesn't take any root at all. It doesn't even go under the soil. It just kind of sits, sits on the top, and then the devil just comes and, and plucks it away. This is the person that would hear with their ears, but not the heart. Now, in our passage tonight, and we're going to see it again in just a moment, but in our passage, Jesus is specifically talking about receiving the word for salvation. That's that's the context of the passage. He's teaching and preaching to people, trying to help them understand, hey, you need to receive me. We all know unbelievers, someone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, who have a hard heart. Somebody who have the mindset of, don't even talk to me about that. I, I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna know it. I don't believe it. You can talk all day. I'm not gonna believe it. Uh, if you've ever done our into-the-city outreaches, and our very first one every year is the fair. Of course, this year we're not having the fair, so that's a bummer. We, we miss out on that opportunity. But every year at the fair, every year I come across somebody with a, a very hard heart. For a couple of years, it was the same guy. We were by that, that water guy. You guys remember him? Those of you that worked the booth a couple years ago, guy selling water, and we'd get in discussions with him. And uh, he was like, well, listen, my water is purified and your water is not. And we'd talk about the water, the word of God. And he was like, I don't want to listen to you about that, about that stuff. And, man, he just had a hard heart. There's, there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people have that hard heart. Hey, don't speak to me. That's who Jesus is speaking about, this hard soil. That's that wayside soil. The devil comes and snatches the seed away even before it has time to take root. Verses 6 and 13, we find Jesus talking about a second type of soil. What is this? It's the, the stony soil, the stony soil. Verse 6, some fell upon rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. He describes that in verse number 13. Notice what he says. They on the rock, the seed that fell on the rock, they, uh, they on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root which for a while believe in a time of temptation fall away. Stony ground is that soil that is completely overtaken with rocks. It, uh, it may be not as hard as that solid surface. As a matter of fact, we know it's not because the seed can take a little bit of root. But that soil, that root that's taken as soon as something springs up, because the soil is filled with rocks... It can't grow. There's no depth to it. it the, the, the roots can't go any deeper. They can't get the water they need. They can't get the sustenance they need from the soil. This would be that person who hears the word of God. There's a little bit of interest there, but the interest doesn't go deep. It's not an interest that says, I need more. It's an interest that just, it's like the, uh, uh, um, some of the Greeks in, um, not Thessalonica, Uh, Athens. It's like some of them where where Paul was preaching, Acts chapter number 17, and he sees the edifices and all the buildings, and he says to them, hey, listen, you need Jesus in your life. You need the Word of God. You need him. And what do they say? Some say, we will come and hear more because we're interested. Others said, oh, this guy's a curious fellow. We'll just come back because he's an interesting character. There was no depth to their interest. There wasn't an interest that said, I desire more. It was an interest that says, ah, you're a spectacle to me. I'll come and be amused more. That's these with a stony heart. This person has no roots, no spiritual depth. Actually, it says that in time of temptation, they fall away. When things get rough, that's the person, the first one to go. Why? Because there's no spiritual depth. There's a third type of soil. What is that? It's the thorn-covered soil. The thorn covered soil, verse seven and verse fourteen, Jesus sprang up with it, and, and among thorns, and those thorns sprang up, wither, uh, sprang up with it, and and choked it. Verse number fourteen, he describes that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, they go forth and they're choked with the cares and riches and pleasures, the pleasures of this life, and bring forth no fruit, bring no fruit to perfection. This soil, it is. It's somewhat good soil, but it's filled with thorn bushes. There's so much that is there and rooted that those thorns they consume the ground, they take the nutrients and that seed it really has no room to grow and it gets choked out by the thorns. This is the person who is interested in the word of God for the sake of being interested man they really want to, i really i really want to know more about jesus but they're like acts chapter number 24 like felix it says he reasoned of righteousness uh, paul was preaching reasoned of righteousness temperance and judgment to come and what did felix do he trembled and listened to felix's answer when he was presented the word of god he said this go thy way for this time and when i have a convenient season a convenient season i'll call for thee what was wrong with Felix? Well, Felix said, hey, just not right now. Life's too busy. When, when, when I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. Man, the people with that thorn-covered soil, they're those that they could listen, they could grasp, and they could get saved. But the cares of this world, the cares of life are choking out that interest. So Jesus is talking about. So four soils. The first one is a hard soil. This is the person that just rejects Christ. The second is the stony soil, the one who's a, little bit of, who's a little interested, but just not enough to really follow up. The third is that thorn-covered soil, really interested, but too much going on in life to actually receive. And the fourth is that good soil. The good soil, this is in verse number eight and verse number 15. Notice what Jesus says. He says, other seed fell on good ground, and it sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. Verse 15, he describes it. What was I talking about? That on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The good ground, listen, that's where you want to plant seed. The good ground is that good ground that's going to produce fruit. The the seed is going to take root and it's going to grow and it's going to spread forth. It's going to bring forth fruit like that 610 square foot tomato plant. Man, it's going to bring forth, where was that planted? Probably some good ground. Well, who is this person? This is the person who hears the word of God and obeys it. That's what Jesus is teaching. This is the person uh, regarding salvation. This is the one who hears the word. Perhaps like you did. Maybe it took two or three or four or five times of you hearing the word of God, but finally it just it just clicked, and you were like, "Man, I need Jesus Christ in my life." What What were you then? You were good soil. The Word of God was preached or was, was given, was presented, maybe through an outreach opportunity, someone door knocking, or maybe a coworker, or maybe a message at church. The Word of God was presented, and you had the good soil in your heart that said, I can receive the Word of God, and now I can believe. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, hey, listen, there's four types of of a heart out there. There's four types of soil out there. There's the hard-hearted that reject me as the Savior. There are the stony soil that they're a little bit of interest interest there, but, man, when uh, when time comes to receive me, man, they're gone. Why? Because the cares of the world, the thorn-covered, they're the ones that the the life just kind of gets to them and interrupts them receiving me. And then there's the good soil, those that will actually receive. So we find the seed, it's the word of God. The soil, it's the hearts of men. All right, then we look thirdly very quickly at the sower. Well, who's the sower? Well, in in our passage, you find verse number five, Jesus just simply says, a sower went out to sow. But from the context of the passage, even though there's no one identified here, we can know who the sower is. Specifically in our passage, it's Jesus. What's he doing? He's sowing the seed, the Word of God. He's giving the Word of God. And so the sower is just simply the one who's planting the seed. In our specific passage in Luke 8, it's Christ. He's the sower planting the seed of the Word of God. Don't we know, though, that after you trust Christ as Savior, there there can be many sowers in your life? But... Jesus is the sower behind it all. It's always his seed. The word of God is always his to be planted. The the saying that we use that uh, the spirit of God takes the word of God to make the child of God like the son of God. What is it? It's Jesus using his word to make you and I more like him. Jesus Christ is always the sower. He is the one planting the seed. But I want to say tonight just very quickly, and I'll tie it in again at the end in just a second, that even though he's the ultimate sower, if you know Christ as your Savior, then there's times in your life that you are to be the sower. It's just called giving the gospel. Times when Jesus says to you, hey, why don't you tell that person about me? Times when he says to you, hey, uh, why don't you give that person a track? Hey, why don't you go ahead and post those verses on your social media? Why don't you go ahead and just let people know where you're at on them? Why don't you sow the word of God? And so the sower, ultimately, it's Jesus Christ. In the passage specifically, that's who's sowing, but also you and I, we're given the responsibility of being a sower. All right, so tonight, what are we looking at? The seed, it's the word of God. Uh, The soil, it's the hearts of man. The sower, Jesus Christ, using his believers at times to also sow, but I want us to look lastly tonight and where we'll spend the next few minutes is the significance. What does this mean? What does it mean for you? How can we today... On June, what is today? June 25th? Yeah? June 25th? How can we, June 25th, 2020, the year of corona, how can we apply this to us? What can we grow? How can we grow in this? And I want us to see tonight that the significance of this is actually taught, I believe, in verses 16 through 21. Notice these verses with me. Luke chapter 8, verse 16. Notice what Jesus says. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid, that shall not be uh, known and come abroad. Notice verse 18. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Skip down to verse number 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. So here's Jesus. He's just given this parable of the sower, the seed, the soil. He's just talked about that. Verse 16 through 21 is him explaining it. Notice verse 18. There's two key things in it. Verse 18, he says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. That ties back to verse number 15, where he said, uh, if you have ears, let him, or not verse 15, uh, verse number eight, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. All right, so verse eight ties to verse number 18, and then also it ties into verse number 21, where Jesus says, hey, my mother and my brethren, my family, they are the ones who receive the word of God. But not only do they receive it, they do it. So what's the significance of this passage for us then? Well, number one, it's this, receive the word. As a a follower of Jesus Christ, it should be the desire of every one of us to receive the word. Now, specifically, again, Jesus is talking about people who need to be saved. And if you're in here tonight or if you're watching and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, listen The goal of Jesus in this passage was for you, that you would receive the word and trust him to be your savior. But tonight, if you do know Christ as your savior, there is still great application for us to understand that even after salvation, God wants his word to take root in our life that we might produce fruit. He says, receive the word. I want to ask you tonight regarding your heart, have you been receiving the word? Has your heart been hard-hearted? a hard-hearted person is and again talking about a believer who can be hard-hearted. this is the person who they come to church they know they're saved, but it's just kind of stagnant a stagnant Christianity that says, you know i I've kind of learned all that I can learn. I, I kind of I've reached the top in Christianity and as a matter of fact, you know what I, I don't even need, I don't, I don't really need church. And there are Christians out there like that, aren't there? People who really do know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they've just grown a, a hard heart, that stony ground, that, that hard ground that says, you know what, I, I just, that's good for you. Church is good for you. I, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't need the word of God. That could be one of us. There's those that have a stony ground. This is the one, it's not necessarily a, a hardened heart, but it's just kind of cold towards the things of God. It's, this is the person that says, uh, you know, I know God says this, but what about, and they're always raising questions about what the Lord says. That's that stony ground. Then there are those believers who, they have a heart that's choked out by the thorns of life. What is that? The cares of life. I believe this is probably where most Christians fall. Most Christians fall in the place that it's that thorny ground. They receive the word like God desires, but they've just got so much going on that they're not able to receive the word like God desires for them to. This is the believer that in the morning, I would spend time with the Lord, but man, look at the time. I've got to go. On Sunday, you know, I would go to church, but oh man, this is this is the only weekend. Oh, this is, and excuses come up. This is the believer that says, you know what? I I know that God says this, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at it from a little bit of a different angle. They they're receiving the word, but the cares of life, is just choking it out. It's choking the word of God from producing fruit in their life, and the cares of this life and the troubles of the world are just stealing away that the seed that the word of God could be in their life. Or tonight, maybe your heart is the good soil. That's where I hope you are tonight. And that's where, uh, by the end of the message, I want us all to decide to be. Is that my heart would be the point to the point that where when I hear the word of God, I simply really am not just praying a prayer like we do at the beginning of a message saying, God, speak to me, but my heart really is, God, I know that I need you. And so I give you permission to take your word and work in my life what you want. And God, I I already have made up my mind that whatever you speak to me about, I will respond to you. You see, a lot of Christians, man, uh, one of the reasons that we fail in seeing God really work in our life is because we are allowing the uh, uh, cares of life to choke his word out. And we're not having that heart that says, God, I'm, I'm going to receive you. Regardless of what you speak to me about, I am listening. And regardless of what you give to me, I choose, even before you speak to me, I choose to respond. Man, that's the good soil. That's the type of soil that the Lord wants. Why? Because that's the type of soil then that God can bring, can bring forth fruit and work in the believer's life. I was, I've been reading lately in the book of Corinthians, and, uh, of course, there's so much there. I'm going to be preaching through Corinthians uh, next year, maybe 2022. Uh, but when we look at the book of Corinthians, man, you can look and discover that Paul's heart to the church at Corinth was, hey, God has so much more in store for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, I have not seen nor ear heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man what the Lord has in store. What was, what was Paul trying to get across to the church at Corinth? He's saying, hey, I want to show you something that God has more in store for you if you would simply humble your heart and receive his correction. Humble your heart and receive his word. That was to the church at Corinth. You know what? In your life, in my life, you know what we should desire? We should desire every day to have the good, good soil of a heart, our good heart, the good soil in our heart that says, God, I can receive your word. Jeremiah wrote to the believers there, hey, break up your fallow ground. Hey, your heart's become stony. It's become hard. It's become uh, thorny. Maybe there's some Christians in here tonight that say, I need to break up the the, the fallow ground of my heart, the hard-heartedness. James wrote it this way in James 1.25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, notice what it says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know, James is writing, he's writing the same thing that Jesus wrote in Luke chapter number 8. He's saying, hey, listen, when you receive the word and act upon it, there will be fruit in your life. What's the significance of the passage tonight? Well, for the believer, number one, it's receive the word. Number two, it's share the word. It's share the word. This is verse number 16. Look at verse number 16. Again, Jesus says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, uh, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light, for nothing is... Secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall, not be, uh, that shall not be known and come abroad. Jesus teaches about this in Matthew 5, Mark chapter 4, as well as Luke chapter number 11, helping us understand the simple thought that once you have God's word, it's your responsibility and my responsibility to give God's word. You see, Jesus was the sower, but then once you get saved, he entrusts you and I to be sowers, right? Mark chapter 16, verse 15 He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Man, if we have the light of the word in our life, it should be our desire to share it with others. Jesus Christ shared that word, and now he calls us to be the the giver, the sower of the word of God. Jesus Christ, he's saying, hey, don't take my word and hide it. Right? Corinthians, Paul wrote, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are, what's the word? Lost. Man, it's hid to the lost. I had a conversation with a pastor friend today, and he said, man, Dennis, I'm so amazed right now at seeing the number of believers that will not speak up for the Lord during this time. And we were talking about people in social media and different posts and all these different things. It's interesting to me. um, Most Christians We're more likely to talk about our opinion or our sports team or uh, what we think should or shouldn't happen soon rather than just lifting up the Lord and giving the word of God, speaking to others about the word. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, if you hide the word of God, your candle, if you hide it, you hide the seed, you're not hiding it from another believer. It's being hidden from the lost. And so what's the significance of Luke chapter number 8, of of, uh, Matthew chapter 3, Mark 4, Luke 11? What's some of the significance there? Hey, receive the word, but then also share the word. Hey, don't be afraid to be a sower. Don't be afraid to give the gospel out this sunday morning and sunday night uh, we're going to be looking at just the understanding that it's our personal responsibility to see that the culture that we live in is very much against god and what our culture needs is a believer specifically sunday night first peter chapter number 4 a believer that's going to step up and say hey listen i'm done with the flesh i'm done with living my life for me no i'm going to live first peter 4:2 to the will of god i'm going to live to god's will i'm going to put god's plan for my life first And you know what God's plan for your life is? It's that you would share his word with people. Well, pastor, I'm just not outgoing. Whether you're outgoing, uh, introvert, whether you like to uh, talk to people or don't like to talk to people, whether you like to post or don't like to post, listen, uh, your your personality doesn't matter when it comes to the Great Commission. He said to the believers, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Who's that to? The disciples the, the disciples first, and then us second. Man, the church, we have the responsibility of taking the word of God out. So what is the significance of this passage? Receive the word, share the word, but then lastly tonight, live the word. I love, I love verse 21, where Jesus summarizes this area by saying, hey, my mother, my brethren, are those that not only receive the word, but they also, what's the last two words of verse 21? Do it. They live it out. Man, this isn't just me saying, man, that's a really good thought. as a really good message. Boy, this is a really good devotional. It's me saying, how can I put this into action? Living the word, do it. Christ is simply drawing attention to the fact in this verse that it's important that we not only receive the word and share the word, but we should be living the word. I've said this before, but our world and our culture, listen, our culture is sick of seeing and hearing and being around people who say they're Christians, but don't even resemble Christ. I'm reminded right now, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing it, but uh, Hannah has been uh, uh, speaking with one of her friends, and this friend is one that had received Christ years ago and, and then has come out to say, no, I'm an atheist, I don't believe that anymore. And this friend, uh, from his own words, it has been, the reason I don't believe it anymore is because I never really saw true Christianity. And he even went to Bible college. I never, I never saw real Christianity and said to Anna just recently in a message, of course, we're talking back and forth with him, and he said to her just recently something along the lines of, you're, you're, the, real, you're the most real Christian I've ever seen because you actually live out what you believe. And praise the Lord that that was said. But what a sad thought that somebody who went to Bible college and was around like Bible professors, and yet for them to say, I never saw, I never really saw biblical Christianity. What you say that it should affect your life, I never saw that. I I couldn't help but think about that as I'm going through my notes and writing these notes out for tonight of just the simple truth that our culture is tired of seeing. Christ followers by name only. Christ followers who testify, yeah, I know Jesus, but then don't have a life that backs it up. I know, we're here on a Thursday night. Pastor, I'm here on a Thursday night. First Thursday night back open. Pastor, we're here. and I'm, Pastor, I may not be there, but I'm online tonight. Don't you know that I love the Lord and I want to live for him? Yes, but how often are we guilty of hearing the word of God Maybe receiving it, maybe sharing it, but then not really applying it into our life. We hear it, we even maybe take a little bit of a step of faith, but then as the week comes and as the week grows, we don't, Luke 8, 21, do it. We don't live it out. James said in James chapter 1, verse 22, be ye doers of the word. Hey, not hearers only. Why? Because when you're only here, you know you know who you're really lying to. You're deceiving your own self, man. You're deceiving you. And how often, how often have we fallen into that uh, category? What category? Where we're just lying to ourself. Hey, I'm okay. Hey, I, you know I'm all right. You know I I can I'll I'll follow through on that decision tomorrow. Right? It's always tomorrow. It's like a diet. When you start in that diet, Monday. Not this Monday, next Monday. And then next Sunday rolls around when you're starting it. Next Monday. It's always, I'll take care of it when I get around to it. There's a lot of Christians that have that mindset about the word of God, aren't there? And here's what Jesus is getting at. Hey, listen. Receive the word. Share the word. And live the word. I close with this thought. George Foreman, the boxer, many of you probably maybe followed his career or know of his career. But in his book, he wrote uh, God in My Corner. He spoke about this in 1974. He says, before I went to Africa to fight Muhammad Ali, I was given a Bible to take by a friend. He said this, hey, George, keep this with you for good luck. George Foreman said, I believe that Bible was just a shepherd's handbook, probably because at the time I only knew the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. So that's all George Foreman thought about the word of God. It's just a shepherd's handbook. Well, he went and fought Muhammad Ali in 1974, and he lost. And after he lost the fight, he threw the Bible away. said, some good luck charm this was, threw it away. He said, the Bible didn't help me win, so why would I need it? I thought I'd get power from simply owning it. And then he said this, I didn't realize that I needed to read it and believe what it says. Since then, I've come to understand that the Bible... Is my roadmap, not my good luck charm. You know what I'd say tonight? That there are some believers who need to realize the Bible isn't just a good look, good luck charm. It literally directs every decision of our life. It's our roadmap. And so what should I do with the word of God? Well, have good have a good soiled heart. A heart that is filled with good soil. What is good soil? I receive the word. I share the word, and then I live the word. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Church.com.